Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading episode 89 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. I am the Hal in that equation, and I have a live show coming up this Thursday, November 10th, at the Nerd Melt Showroom right there on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles with my good friend Joseph Scrimshaw. We've got a great panel this month. We've got Janet Varney. We've got Mike Furman. We've got Amber Preston. And you can get tickets for just $8 right now by going to bit.ly forward slash headcanon, H-E-A-D-C-A-N-N-O-N-7. That's right. Get your tickets right now. Don't wait to get them at the door. Get the $2 discount. We give away prizes. We laugh. We learn. We love. Hey, as long as you're buying stuff, how about going on a cruise for a week with me and Mark? See a live We Got This. Will Wheaton's going to be there. Janet Varney will be there. Paul and Storm. And, of course, Jonathan Colton. It is the Joko Cruise departing in March of 2017. There's still cabins available right now, so you can book yours at jococruise.com, J-O-C-O cruise.com. So get on that. And now, without any further ado... Here's episode 89 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Indiana Jones movie. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Dun 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 dun. Hi, Hal. Hello, Mark. Oh man, it's good to talk to you, buddy. It's good to talk Especially to you. about this. Yes. Because this is this is a very exciting topic for us. Yes. Uh, and hello, listeners. Hello to all um, of you. Especially as you've already heard from Hal. Yes. Today we're going to discuss best Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yes. Thank you to Christian Ong, who has who has submitted topics to us before for suggesting this best Indiana. Thank Jones you, Christian. Film. Uh, this is a good one. Cause do you, I assume you grew up loving the Indiana Jones films. I did. I did. I will say that one of them, one of the four mm-hmm. films, we were talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I will say that, mm-hmm. uh, I, I keep, do you keep a list of your top 10 movies of all time? Um, I do not. Okay. But, I should. That is a really good idea. I, I don't do. know why I don't do that. Now, what is on your list? Well, I I'll tell you some of it. First of all, the the if you want a really good movie list and and you like podcasts, I would check mm-hmm. out uh Craig Kikowski and Carla Kikowski's podcast Craigslist where they're going Oh, it's through, so good. Yeah, his top 100 movies. But I keep a top 10. I've always sort of kept a top 10. Uh, I'll tell you some of the movies that are on there. Back to the Future. Empire sure. Empire Strikes Back. Thought you were going to say Empire Records. No. Um, okay. Mr. Smith. Empire of the Sun. Empire of the Sun. All Empire movies. Isn't that the one where they pee on Christian Bale? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are some other movies I have in my top ten? Some other movies that have been in there, Glengarry Glenn Ross. Uh, mm-hmm. American Movie has been in there. Okay. By the way, you're right now just describing every college student's DVD shelf. <laughs> well, that's probably what I put all this together. And oh, Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption is a top ten for me. Hmm. Uh, Isn't that the one where they uh, where they pee on Tim Robbins? Yeah. 
Right. Christian Bale pees on him. <laughs> like he did that lighting guy. Oh, good for you. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> what if that's actually um, how that light guy sounded when he walked around and he's really like making fun? Like that's a real personal dig. If he's yeah, like, I it can't really is. I'm going to run away right now. <laughs> it almost sounds like the Wicked Witch. <laughs> I'm going to run away right now. <laughs> is that on your list, Wizard of Oz? No, I love Wizard of Oz. Because it's on the world's top ten list. Yes. Yeah. Well, when we were in college. But yours was- is the list of a college student. So let me guess. Yes. Um, uh, Boondock Saints. No. <laughs> nice try. All right. It's just that, um, that. And and one of the Indiana Jones movies. Is this episode just going to be uh, you knowing the answer and me trying to guess it? My other my other favorite movies are uh, John Belushi wearing a college sweater from sure. Animal House and Johnny Cash giving the middle finger. Oh, yeah. And Bob Marley right after he inhaled. So there's that little tuft of smoke. Yeah. Those are my favorite movies. Tuft? Puff. Tuft is hair. Hey, I, you know, I mean, that guy may have smoked hair. Who knows? (laughs) Did you just accuse me of knowing pot better than you do? I'm not accusing. I'm just saying it's possible. How dare you? It's a family show, please. Yeah. We don't talk about that stuff. What we do talk about is, uh, did you ever dress as Indiana Jones for Halloween? No, I never thought I was cool enough to dress as Indiana Jones. Really? Oh, that's sad. Was that their only reason? Yeah, that and I'm not, I'm not really into dressing up for Halloween. I know one year in second grade, the, uh, this one kid had a Ghostbusters outfit that his father had made for him. And it was mm-hmm. the proton pack looked so real and the gun made noise like his proton wand. It was so cool. And I, that, like, I really wanted that outfit, but I did not. I think it was dressed as Hulk Hogan that year. Of course you were. <laughs> of course you were. Of course I was. I uh, used to dress. I, I don't know if I ever did it for Halloween, but I would dress and fancy myself Indiana Jones at home. And uh, my Indiana Jones costume was never good because it was all homemade. It was like, I can find all of this stuff. Um, and it would be, it was invariably my dad's brown leather jacket. Right. Uh, my mom's purse slung diagonally. Of course. Uh, a cowboy hat, right, and a really authentic bullwhip that I owned. <laughs> I had a bullwhip too, but I think I don't yeah. know how authentic it was. Yeah, I mean, if it was a bullwhip, it's an authentic bullwhip, right? I don't know if it never whipped a bull. That's mean. Yes, but uh, yeah, I think you know an Indiana Jones fan, or at least a childhood mm-hmm. one, where if they have a a bullwhip, instead of trying to hurt anybody with it, they're trying to like grab a doorknob. Right. I just tried to make it crack really well. Oh, of course. That's what I became obsessed with. Yes. Uh, eventually I did, happy ending to the story, I eventually did purchase an Indiana Jones official fedora, uh, that even had the little Indiana Jones pin built into the fedora's bow on the side. Sure. From Disney World at the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. <laughs> Which is a great show. Sure. All those stunts spectaculars are pretty in- incredible. You've done them. Before. Yeah, they're spectacular. I did the Waterworld show at Universal. And you had to very, very briefly. You had to do a really high dive, didn't you? Isn't that part of I like did. initiation? How high is the dive? The, the very first day of, uh, the very first day of, um, rehearsal, you go in and the first thing you do, it's six in the morning and it's January. And even in LA, that is cold. And, uh, everybody puts on a wetsuit 
and they say, okay, here's the deal. With this show, there's two things you can't be afraid of. Turns out there's a lot of things you can't be afraid of if you're going to do that show. Sure. Guns, jet skis, explosions. But in this instance, it was. Can't be afraid of heights, can't be afraid of water. So even though only one person does it in the show, everybody is going up to the very top and doing the high fall. Uh, so we had to do a high fall into the water. And I think it's uh, something like 60 feet, 70 feet. Very high up. Were you afraid? But anyway. What was it like doing it? It was cold. That I remember more than anything. Look, I knew it was safe. I'm not afraid of heights at all. I'm not afraid of water. I grew up around water. I love swimming. All I remember was, oh, my God, it is so cold. And when I hit that water, it is going to be even colder. Um. And you go really deep when you jump from that high. Sure. Because when you land, you want to land uh, – because we were wearing these treaded sneakers that you wear in the show so that you don't slip and fall on the set. And um, and you land with the sneakers first so it breaks the fall and you go really deep into the water. I just remember thinking, wow, I went really far underwater. I wonder where the surface is. I should figure that out before I lose all of the air in my body. <laughs> well, thankfully, you survived. So you can hear here talking about Indiana Jones. Yeah. We're going to talk about a completely different show that – or a completely different movie and series of movies that has a stunt show based around it at a completely different theme park. That would be Indiana Jones. Yes. Now, um, I, I, do you not want to tell me which of the Indiana Jones movies was on your list? I, I don't because I don't want to sway the conversation. But I will say right now, this is a race between three films, not four. Right, because everyone hated the first one. They got it right, <laughs> starting oh, with Temple of Doom. Every single episode, you do something to troll me that makes me want to curse. Every single time. <laughs> and you've done it here. Obviously, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is an aberration. And it, we are Look, not going aberration to is extreme. As an Indiana Jones movie, it is the least, uh, the least successful both Probably financially, I assume, and also as a film. Well, uh, if you don't, but I did enjoy that movie. I had a good time. I, if you, if you can strip away your expectations of that movie, it's a fun movie to watch. Now, listen to your fool mouth, Mark. You are saying, look, don't, I'm not one of these people that hates on a thing because it, are you also one of these, the new Ghostbusters ruined my childhood people, Hal? No, I love the new Ghostbusters. Yeah, so lay off me for liking Crystal Skull. I don't like it as an Indiana Jones movie. As an action movie, it's a lot of fun. Right, but we waited almost 20 years. Took 19 years, almost to the day, between Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It was almost mm -hmm. exactly 19 years. They were two days shy. So just to say, as an action movie, it's not bad. Like, uh, you know, when I go to see an action movie, it's fine if Shia LaBeouf is swinging on vines with a bunch of apes or it's – Okay. That was a little ridiculous. It's – yeah. Like Mutt was a – he's a major part of that movie. The whole idea I think there was, hey, we're going to hand off the Indiana Jones franchise to his son. So Shia mm -hmm. LaBeouf – And then Shia LaBeouf went crazy so they didn't make any more. Yeah, because the next one would have been Mutt Jones and the 48 hours of watching all of your movies in a theater while people <laughs> look at you on the internet. <laughs> I mean, oh, it, it that was, kid. It was almost antithetical to everything that makes a great Indiana Jones film. And I, I'll give you one more, sure. one more major reason why that, that, that okay. vine swinging nonsense is part of an action sequence 
in which a bunch of ridiculous stuff happens. But the, the joy of Indiana Jones is that he's always part skill and part luck. Mm-hmm. And the way that scene went down did not feel like a, that mix of things. It just felt like an effects-laden nightmare. And there was nothing that – like they had to manufacture the 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 danger of it almost. Like it didn't – there was nothing about it that felt either organic or heightening in the right way. So it, it felt like somebody who didn't quite grasp what made Indiana Jones great making an Indiana Jones movie, which is crazy because it's it was the original. Spielberg and George Lucas. Yeah. I mean, that, like, uh, I did like what they did as far as the, the time jump in the style jump of the film. Uh, I liked that the original Raiders was based on these old 1940s adventure films, late 30s, 40s adventure films. Uh, and they had a certain grainy quality and, you know, gritty look to them. Uh, and then this movie was, you know, the late fifties or whenever it was supposed to take place. Uh, I think the late fifties, maybe early sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, when, when they were was running that, nuclear I drills, it was the so early fifties. Early fifties. Was it early fifties? Duck so. and cover, that whole thing. I think so. Yeah. Um, and so I thought the colors of it were pretty. I thought that it was, I thought that it was shot well as an homage to, uh, I thought they did a nice genre leap forward in time. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. Oh, it's 1957, by the way. 1957. That's okay. what takes place. So I thought that that – I think that that leap was a lot of fun. But I agree with you that it did not feel like an Indiana Jones movie. Right. Did it ruin the other three for me? No. No. I mean that's ridiculous. You kind of have to just look at – that's like saying the, the prequels ruined the original Star Wars trilogy. Right. Which is not true. They're poorly made films that that I don't think fulfill on – the, the quality of experience, but also for kids who grew up and the, the prequels of their first movies, they thought it was great. I don't think a lot of people are like, the first Indiana Jones film I saw was Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and by golly, I loved it. I don't right. think that's happening there. So, all right. I would So we're eliminating it. that one. Yes. At the beginning, on the outset, we're eliminating Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Absolutely, we are. So let's talk original. Trilogy, the sure. Indiana Jones films. Are we counting, uh, if you, if you bought the box set, are we counting that bonus features disc? Cause that stuff was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, ca- the, the answer is the documentary the of the making of Indiana Jones. Uh, I did, when I was a kid, I had a book, uh, of behind the scenes of Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. And it was all the special effects of Temple of Doom and how they did it and every little detail about that movie. And that book, more than any other, made me want to get involved in making movies. Really? Yeah. That well along with that along with the Leonard Nimoy show Standby Lights Camera Action, which I'm sure I've talked about before on this. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna reference that myself because I remember yeah. seeing that episode where they, right. where they that, oh, and they, they did it. Yeah, they did they did that Temple of Doom episode. And that to me was this is what making a movie is all about. Like the set, uh, the, mm-hmm. like seeing like the cameras and this, uh, seeing the cameras and the modern equipment and people in modern dress in the same place as, uh, the temple of, uh, Kali or, uh, Kali was it? Yes. Yes. Well, Shiva is the god. Right. I think he, yeah. Or, uh, yeah. I think it's she, cause he says you betrayed Shiva. But it's Pankot Palace. It's all in the bowels of Pankot Palace, that entire temple of doom. Um, 
so that that's not to say that that is my favorite movie right uh of the trilogy that just to me was uh that was i have a special place for the behind the scenes of that particular movie yeah i the uh temple of doom was the first one that i saw because of course Ra- ah. raise the lost ark came out in 1981 so i was four you were two right. i was and uh, you know by time temple of doom came out i was seven years old so it was a it was a good movie to to go see my my parents had already oh for seen a seven year old that is exactly right there's just yes. enough to there's just enough stuff in it that's like I shouldn't be watching this but there's nothing really bad so then we saw we had a VHS copy or got a VHS copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark which I mm-hmm. saw and as a child I, it was I, I loved it but it got really disturbing when uh, when they opened the Ark and Tot's face melts. Oh yeah, it's that was that. Right. I remember. I remember the first time I saw that. Yeah, that terrified me. It was terrifying, and it made it hard for. So as a child, I it was my least favorite mm-hmm. of, of the two at the time, just because that I, I it haunted me. But eventually, I matured, and it, now that doesn't bother me. <laughs> or I can watch it. I could watch any of those three movies a million times. So maybe. Um, Go, uh, go ahead. I was going to say maybe the best way to approach this is to talk about each film, talk about the pros mm-hmm. and the cons, and then we'll we'll that'll help us sort of move towards a determination. Does that make sense to you, or or did you have a different methodology in mind? No, that sounds great. All right, so we should start with the the film that started it all, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Why would you do? I every time, like the <laughs> f word is it, like gets closer to just popping out of my mouth. Every time. Fantastic. I think about that when I think about Crystal Skull 2. Oh, why are you doing this to me? My arm is shaking. Fridge. Oh, do you think fridge? Because yeah, he gets inside the fridge during fridge. the nuclear explosion. <laughs> I can't believe that worked. I can't believe they didn't put that in more educational. All right, kids. We're doing a drill. Everybody get in the icebox. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Release. Pros launched a genre and a character and... I mean, maybe the greatest opening sequence of any movie of all time. So, so here's the interesting thing about Raiders of the Lost Ark is that it's really mm-hmm. um, a, an homage on behalf of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg to and Jeffrey Boehm who wrote the screenplay. It's it's the I thought Lawrence Kasdan wrote the screenplay, not for Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't think. I really have done no research. I'm just remembering these movies from childhood. I mean, I, I oh geez, what if I'm wrong? Oh my god. Now, that there's you know there's a first time for everything, Punkin. You're right. Lawrence Kasdan wrote it. My mistake. Oh, bam. oh my god! I'm right. so sorry. Uh, Lawrence okay. Kasdan screenplay, but it's it's the serialized action stars of of uh, early cinema, like Perils of Pauline. The, these uh, heroes who would get in these fantastic uh, adventures, where at the end of every uh, serial episode there would be a huge threat, and then you'd have to come the next month to see the next installment of it. So uh, I actually, because of my father, I grew up watching some serialized stuff. I watched the Shazam serial or Captain Marvel rather, uh, the, mm-hmm. the Batman serial from like the 30s, uh, the Superman This is serial. not the first time you've said Superman serial and Batman serial on this show, but the first times that you said it, serial was spelled differently. That's right. I would eat cereal as I watched the cereal. Ooh. So I would double up on the cereal. Um, 
<laughs> it's funny that they were both homages, uh, the George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, these like iconic things to come out of that era. The original blockbusters were homages to cool old stuff. Star Wars being one and Indiana Jones being another and the two of them being, you know, integral in each other's work. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's as much as it's a trailblazing film that sort of led to a series of action films just mm-hmm. like it or based on it. It also, it also again borrowed from from previous pop culture and, and brought it back in in a way. So mm-hmm. uh, you know who was originally cast. So they wanted Harrison Ford but couldn't get him, so they had somebody else cast. Are you aware of? I this? do know. All right. So you know. Uh, go ahead. The the man who eventually played uh, Quigley Down Under. That's right. Mm-hmm. Tom Selleck himself. I think they had him. That's right. Had him cast and. He they shot a bit of him. Uh, yeah, and he couldn't do it because of Magnum P.I. Also, have you seen uh, – there's footage of Tim Matheson's screen test for it. That's in that extra disc, so it, right? It, it very easily could have been Otter from Animal House playing Indiana <laughs> Jones. But those guys – I mean, Selleck feels close, but there's something, there's something about Harrison Ford where he makes it look easy. He, You know what it is? And this is going to sound so weird. There's – Almost a doofiness to Harrison Ford. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, you buy him as a super there is a sw- smart guy, yeah. but you also there buy is a him swagger as a- that he has of, uh, of. I'm sorry to mean to interrupt. No, he has the swagger of an idiot. Exactly. You have that so that cleverness that pays itself off in 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 other. Fi- I mean, there's a great moment. Mm-hmm. I we're leap, we're leaping ahead, but that moment. In Temple of Doom, where he's got the two swordsmen and they're calling back to the original, uh, what was supposed to be an elaborate sword and whip fight on Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark, except Harrison Ford of dysentery. So instead he just pulls out his pistol and shoots the guy and in, it became an icon of the movie. Yeah. In Temple of Doom, when he goes for his gun, which he's lost at the top of the film and he has that sort of like, Hey, like he's, he's like, Oh, you idiot. How do you not remember that you? That you don't have your gun, but it's, it's so adorable. And him getting hit in the face with the, the mirror, um, in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like there's, there are always sure. plans to Or him work out. ducking out of the way of the blade from the airplane coming by. Yes. He's, he's flying by the seat of his pants, even though he's highly intelligent. And he's, he's, right. uh, he's an educator. Yeah. He's a college professor of archaeology. Yes. By the way, do you think people knew what an archaeologist was before this movie came out? I sure didn't. Of course, I was a young child, but I think, right. I think more people, I, I think people probably have a, an odd view of what an archaeologist actually is, but right. I, I would not be surprised if it inspired a group of people to become archaeologists. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so Harrison Ford creates this. Iconic, wonderful character. But can we give Raiders credit as the best of the bunch for the creation of the character that is in all three of the movies? Well, I mean, certainly it does. <laughs> in terms of introducing him, it's the only real chance that but it's, it's the only time. That's true. Films. But like it, it becomes an introduction by default. So everything that Raiders does is precedent setting. For the rest of the series. Well, sure. What they, you know what I mean? What they do so cleverly at the top of the film is you don't see his face until, mm-hmm. uh, until they try to rob him and he whips, uh, he whips the guy's hand like the guy's about to shoot him or something. Like he turns, mm-hmm. that's when he turns around and you see his face. 
Right. Does he whip the gun out of his hand or does he whip his whole arm off? One of them was from UHF, the Weird Al movie, want- and one of them was from Raiders. Do you want to guess which one's which? I'm going to say whips his arm off. Yeah, that's the one from Raiders of the Lost Ark. You nailed it, buddy. Good um, job. <laughs> that scene also famously features Alfred Molina. Yes. Very young Alfred Molina in his first job after leaving the theater school at DePaul University, my alma mater. Shout out to my blue demons. Yeah. Alfie Moles, proud DePaul graduate and. That's right. An incredible actor. And he's so great in that part. The, uh, the idol for the whip. Oh yeah. Adios, senor. <laughs> which is, which is, uh, the way he says it, Spanish for so long, sucker. <laughs> uh, that may have been the first dead body I saw in a movie. Oh, when he gets, uh, the spikes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spoiler alert, but there's going to be a lot of those. I don't have to say that. Yeah. Um, you've had time to watch these movies. There are so many, so many, like, I don't think there's ever been a movie montage of like great moments in movies that didn't feature the ball rolling after Indiana Jones. Sure. That's really, that's um, really well known. What, what would you say is the, is the iconic action moment in Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, that hands down or him or tossing s- the, uh, or him, um, trying to replace the golden idol with the sand. That whole opening sequence is cinema perfection. Yes. Yes, it's expertly, expertly shot, expertly written, mm-hmm. expertly acted. Now, uh, in terms of, so it's got, we've got some great iconic action moments. I would also add him shooting the swordsman. Sure. I would add the, the battle around the, the, the plane as it's spinning mm-hmm. around out of control. And, and really the whole ch- chase sequence through the market where Marion and Indy oh, are yeah. both in various stages of hiding and pursuit. And she gets put in the truck. Yes. So let's talk about yeah. the heroine in this movie. Let's talk about Marion Ravenwood. That's right. We have a different heroine in each movie. Yes. As portrayed by Karen Allen. I would Look, argue. Look, there's a reason that Marion Ravenwood came back, that yes. she's the one that came back in the fourth movie. There is, I, I don't know if they just couldn't get Karen Allen for the next two movies, but it, the whole series should have been her. Well, they hop around in time. So it's earlier. It's presumably between him, uh, Temple of Doom takes place in between him having left her and right. her father. And yeah, no, I don't care. Her. Write different scripts. Okay. Just have her in all three. So, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no, no. I agree. She's the strongest. She's the best match for Indy. She's, she's as mm-hmm. tough as he is, if not tougher. She's resourceful, but she's also really headstrong. I mean, her drinking, uh, her ability to drink anybody under the table. And that's her introduction in the movie, right? Yes. Is her having a vodka shot drinking contest with a bunch of Russians. Yes. I mean, come on. That is <laughs> – that's a, that's how you introduce a heroine. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so let's uh, – we love everything about her. I was going to say, what else do we love about her? We love everything about her. Yeah, she's not the typical damsel in distress. I mean, she gets into trouble. Yeah. But – She's also a fighter. She's constantly looking for her own way out rather than mm-hmm. waiting for someone to save her. Yes. Uh, all right. That is sharply contrasted with Kate Capshaw's character in the second film. What yeah. is her name? Uh, her name is Willie. Willie. That's right. Uh, who is nothing but damsel in distress. Yes. Willie Scott. Diva. Willie Scott, the, uh, the Miss Piggy of 
the Indiana Jones universe. Right. But before, before we get to Temple of Doom, let's, mm-hmm. let's review some other stuff from Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right. I thought you said you wanted to talk about the women. Well, no. I thought we I, were doing a sidebar to the women. Well, we're, well, we are. I mean, but let's look at the different aspects of each film. So we've talked about the, the heroine. Oh, talked I see. about action right. sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about villains. So the big villain in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark is Rene Belloc, who is a competing French archaeologist who, as he points out to Indiana Jones, is nothing that you possess, which I cannot take away. Mm-hmm. And he has uh, found himself in league with the Nazis as they race to find the, the Ark of the Covenant. Would you call Belloc the villain or would you call Tote the villain? Who would, who do you think of as the main? Cause I think of Tote as the main villain because he is infinitely more terrifying to me. Tote is the most threatening villain, but Belloc is the one who can outwit. He can, he's the one who can match wits with Indiana Jones and right. try to outsmart him. That makes him to me the, the bigger villain. Then there's, there's Colonel Dietrich who, who of course is, is leading the uh, military forces there. Um, right. In the, in the acquisition of the Ark. Tote was just so scary to me. Yes. As a kid because of that. And, and they give him that great moment with the coat hanger. Yes. Where you think he's pulling out a weapon and he's pulling out a coat hanger to hang up his Nazi cloak. <laughs> um, I assume that's his, uh, robe left over from his days as a Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, early, early and- graduate of Hogwarts. Yeah, I mean, even with the the red hot poker mm-hmm. and just oh gosh, just so like that guy, that actor, the actor that played Toad, his face is just creepy to me. Yes, Ronald Lacey is his name. Yeah, Ronald Lacey, I'm a wonderful actor and an unfortunate face on a person. <laughs> well, it's all how he was portrayed in that film. They they lit him from underneath yeah. a lot. Yeah, people are who they play in movies. Yes. Right? Yes. That's why I am always leery when Linda Blair comes over. I don't know what she's going to turn into. <laughs> she, she could be repossessed again. Oh, repossessed. That's the best Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> Where Leslie Nielsen is a priest as Indiana Jones? Yeah. Um. All right. What other criteria are we looking at? Uh, why don't we look at his sidekicks in this film? Okay. Uh, who Sala, are, a great sidekick. Yes, Jonathan uh, Rice Davies, who will who will yes. appear again in this series. And yes, and Marcus Brody, who's much less of a buffoon in this film, he really serves as uh, more of an M, if you will, mm-hmm. or or a Q sort of like the guy who helps with that. He's a colleague from the. He's the he's the intellectual. He's the colleague from the university. Yes, so he's there too. By the third movie, he is an absolute cartoon. Yes. Absolutely, but but Denham yeah. Elliott is a great actor. So you, oh, he is. It, it's a joy to watch him on screen, even for those small amounts. And he he definitely lends authority and gravitas to the scenes that he's in, even as a fool. Like mm-hmm. you get the sense, oh, he's really smart. So he has important information, right? Um, okay, so that's and then we should probably also talk about the MacGuffin in the film in each of these films. This one, of course, being the Ark of the Covenant. Between uh, the, the covenant between the the Jews and and God, right? I don't. I how is this a MacGuffin? Well, because it's the thing everybody's chasing after. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking of? What? I'm thinking of a totally different thing. I'm thinking of. I was thinking. I I don't know movies and how stories are told. Apparently, <laughs> I was confusing a MacGuffin and a red herring. Ah, <laughs> you know what? It's MacGuffin sounds like it should be a red herring. 
Yeah, you know what the you know what uh, you know what the red herring was. Communism was the red herring. <laughs> oh, for those of you listening who don't know what the MacGuffin is, it is a term that Hitchcock used to describe uh, the object or the thing that everybody was chasing after. What is the central object in a film? Yes, that is being chased. So, in named after Louise MacGuffin, the girl that got away for Alfred Hitchcock. Really? No, I have no idea. Damn it! Oh, what I just asked you what it one. was. But you might have known. You could have been looking it up. You have a computer. I'm not that fast. Well, I'm oh please, the, confu- the computer in front of me has a solitaire game on it. <laughs> I've not playing, listened to a word you have said. Play Minesweeper again while we're doing this. Yeah. Oh, a four. I'm so scared. <laughs> uh, I will say in terms of Academy Awards, this is the most decorated of the films. All three of the film Crystal Crystal Skull got zero nominations. All of the other films got at least two. Raiders of the Ark, uh, uh, Lost Ark won five Oscars, including a special achievement award for sound effects editing and was nominated for another four. Um, and it is the only film of the, of the, these three to be nominated for best picture. Wow. Um, do you think that, uh, it was a good idea when they changed the name from Raiders of the Lost Ark to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, for the box set. I I guess I don't feel that str- as strongly about it. Like you ruined it. It really bothered me. It I it I don't think they ruined it. It just bothered me because that poster was so iconic. Let's talk for a brief second though about the amazing, amazing artwork for those movies. Oh, All sure. three of them. Yeah, absolutely. The posters for those movies were some of the best movie posters ever made. I think. Yes, absolutely. Uh, also. Uh, the Indiana Jones, just thinking of, super, just as we're dumping superlatives on this. Yes. The Indiana Jones costume was, uh, is considered one of the great movie costumes of all time. So much so that when there was a, uh, the American Film Institute did a big, uh, or the Academy did a big exhibition in Los Angeles of all the great iconic movie costumes. Indiana Jones costume got its own room and a description of every single item that was a part of that costume. Yes, absolutely. It was, it is that, it is that iconic. Not my version with the cowboy hat, but the real version. <laughs> and also I have to point out the one character that we have not yet discussed is the score of the, of all three films, the iconic theme by John Williams, mm-hmm. which we sang at the, at the beginning together, but really is, I mean, all the different pieces of it are, it's so well done and, and it, and it, uh, the, the music is perfection throughout all three films. And the fourth um, one too is, is great. I mean, it's John Williams. He's great. Sure. It's the same music. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we need to, uh, are there any cons to this movie? <sighs> There's nothing in particular that jumps out to me. No, I, I can't think say. of any either. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, Hal. Hal. Yeah. We've talked a lot about Raiders of the Lost Ark. We have two more movies to get through. Okay. And we will get through them and, and probably a little quicker, I feel. But first, let's take a quick break and hear from some of the other fantastic programs on the Maximum Fun Network. Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every week, we release a medical history podcast called Sawbones. We go over the history of the dumbest, grossest, weirdest stuff humans have been doing to each other since the dawn of mankind. But it's a funny show. But it's also so disgusting and stomach-turning, you won't believe it. But it's also like... 
<laughs> funny. It's funny. It is the wildest, grossest, nastiest stuff you can imagine. It's a real hoot. It's called Sawbones, and we release it every week on iTunes, wherever podcasts are sold, and right here on MaximumFun.org. The first ever Chicago Podcast Festival is just around the corner. Don't miss your shot to catch Max Fun's own Bullseye, Lady to Lady, and Minority Corner performing live for your entertainment. Split Single was just added to the Bullseye lineup in addition to the previously announced and amazing Dwayne Kennedy and Andre Royo. Bullseye and Lady to Lady are November 17th and Minority Corner is November 18th. Visit MaximumFun.org and peep the live shows column on the right side to grab your tickets right now before time runs out. All right. I feel fulfilled. Yeah, me too. I'm stuffed. Good night. No, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Wait, what? I know I just watched Raiders. I want to go to sleep now. Nope. We got to go uh, first to Shanghai, and then we have to go to Sri Lanka for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, I, I, maybe it's because of the thing that I was talking about before with the behind the scenes. I really do have a special place for this movie. I know it's generally regarded as the worst of the first three. Even Steven Spielberg said the only good thing to come out of that movie was Kate Capshaw and his relationship with her. <laughs> well, let's try to find some other positives. Let's talk about action sequences. I think the, I love the entire opening of this film. Everything that oh, takes yeah. place in Club Obi-Wan. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and of course, the most iconic part of that probably is him running behind the gong as it's taking machine gun fire and then jumping out the window, which is a stunt that was supposed to be in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they had. I don't know it. if that's the most iconic. Uh, him using a him using a skewer to uh, him throwing a skewer across the room and javelining a guy in the chest is pretty amazing. It's not bad, but that like the sound of the machine gun fire on. The gong is pretty special. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, uh, of course, there's a snake in the plane that he jumps in. There's, well, no, that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Was that, oh, wait, where's the snake the, in this one? It was served with dinner. A giant oh, snake with smaller snakes inside. That's right. The you have watched dinner. these way more recently than I have. You know what else they served for dessert at that meal? Chilled monkey brains. That's correct. And don't forget the eyeball uh, soup. Yeah. Do you know how the eyeballs were kept in the bottom of the eyeball soup? How? Because the eyeballs float. They needed the eyeballs to float. Yes. Chewing gum. Oh, okay. And when they would stick their spoon in the soup, the uh, they would release the gum and the uh, eyeballs would float to the top. Movie magic. Thanks, book. <laughs> um, some other uh, iconic moments in this film, probably the oh. the raft out of the plane and down the mountainside. And into the water. Sure. Are we going chronologically through the iconic well, I, moments? Because the most iconic is the ripping the heart out of the chest, still beating. You 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 think that's an iconic? Well, certainly it's an iconic moment. But for as far as an iconic action sequence, when you say the uh, mine car ride, yes, the uh, the the we want to maybe eventually build a roller coaster based on this movie scene. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then the entire final action sequence takes place on a, a suspension bridge that has been cut in half. So they're all climbing up it like a ladder, and you get to hear and trying to avoid uh, and trying to avoid the giant alligators at the bottom. Yes, and every time somebody falls, you hear the Wilhelm scream. Is it the Wilhelm scream in that? I never knew that. Yes, a lot of Wilhelm scream. I think the Wilhelm scream yeah. is in every single Indiana Jones film, and it's in all huh. the Star Wars films as well. 
Well, they just really went to the library for the uh, for the ADR in that movie. Well, thank you, Sheb Woolley, for screaming like that. You know what? As uh, as guys who have done ADR in the past, Hal, and some looping. Yep. Come on, why are they making a bank of those? Just let a guy scream. True. I know. I get it. You know. I know. Uh, so other iconic moments from that movie. Um, well, the gross dinner, the the yeah. bugs in the uh that are crawling all over them, especially all over Willie. Scott. Oh, sure. When Willie has to reach into something to pull a, a trap lever, and uh, it is filled with bugs. Yeah. There's always they do a great job. Each movie has they have a lot of great running gags in these movies. Each one has a gross animal that someone's afraid of. In yes. the first one, it's a pit of snakes. In mm-hmm. the second one, it's the bugs. In the third one, it's uh, Indiana Jones's dad and the rats. Yes. Um. Yes. So, uh, all right. What other criteria were we looking at? Well, we've got the female lead, Willie Scott, as played by Kate Capshaw. Now, this is not as strong a uh, a a character in terms of no. resolve and ability to fight. Although she gets there towards the end, she's, she does she's eventually. But boy, it takes her a long time. It's a lot of oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh her my job, god. though, like whereas I feel like whereas Marion's job is to be an equal to Indiana Jones. Um, I feel like Willie Scott's job is to be, a, and I do not mean any sexism in this, in the way it is usually said, uh-huh. to be a ball and chain to slow him down and get in the way. Yes, she is an impediment to to the action. Yes, that's times. the that's the word I was looking for. Although that she isn't so loaded, she does come through. She reaches through the gross stuff and pulls the lever to help him get out of the room mm-hmm. with the spikes coming out of the ceiling and floor, and. She uh, she ultimately gets more of a backbone, although. Uh, but a lot of the film, it's a lot of. Oh my god, oh my god. So, right. and so just as a character, as a person, she's maybe a little more cowardly than you'd expect. She's not. She doesn't have the the strength of resolve that Marion does, or that Elsa yeah. Schneider will in in Last Crusade. So I would say, look, Hal, in this trio, she's the bronze medalist. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's look at villains. Okay. We've got Amrish Puri as played by Mol, uh, or Molaram as played by Amrish, uh, Amrish Puri is his name. Mm hmm. He's Molaram, uh, Molaram is a, is a terrifying villain. He yes. definitely has the best costume. Yes. Uh, but also, I feel he is not a man, uh, not a man driven by greed, a man driven by, uh, his overzealous religious convictions. Yes. He's a, he's a cult leader. Yes. And, and not really fleshed out in any way. He's just sort of referred to, no. he's taken the, the, uh, the children of the village. So uh, obviously he's a bad guy, but he's more spoken about in legend. You don't really get mm-hmm. to see him outsmart anybody or anything right. like that. And he's got the, uh, the head of the household who, uh, who serves as counsel to the prince of Pankot Palace, the, the, the right. young boy who, who turns out to be a thug, a, a thuggy cultist himself. Right. And it's a lot uh, of like, thuggy, by the way, a real cult. Really? Yes. It's where the word thug comes from. I had no idea. This is, this was not a made up thing. This is real. I mean, uh, obviously, the tearing the still beating heart out of a person before dropping them in a cage into a pit of fire in the in Kali's den of hell. That is 
that's a little different. You don't um, know that but, for sure. Right. But the thuggy, uh, the thuggy cult was a real thing. Interesting. Well, there yeah. you go. And then at the end, they're bailed out by the, by the British, uh, British occupying forces in Sri Lanka and India who come mm-hmm. to their aid. So I'm, I'm sure there's a fair amount of, obviously of, of history in there somewhere. And I think that's, that's another thing that's great about the series of films is there is some historical, right, uh, uh, verisimilitude hidden in those films. So there's, yeah, but also if they're, if they're, hey, colonizers to the rescue, is there, uh, <laughs> is there history lesson that they're giving us? Yeah. Maybe not the best one. Thanks, white people. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, <laughs> let's talk sidekicks. Okay. Sidekicks. Uh, we've got Short Round as played by Jonathan Short Round Day is Juan. a, Short Round is a blast. I loved Short Round as a kid. Yep. He's a, he's a, a master of the martial arts. He can drive even though he's short. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he doesn't take crap from Indy. Now it's tough because it feels like they sort of threw a child character in there. And you know, because right. these, this takes place before Raiders of the Lost Ark, that these characters aren't going to be around later on. And maybe that's why right. you go, well, this female lead isn't as strong as Marion Ravenwood, of course, because he's got mm-hmm. to, to be on his own again to meet her. And he doesn't need – he won't have short run anymore. So we're just telling an anecdote from earlier on. It, there are no Nazis. There are no larger political implications really. So he's just got right. this kid around who, it, you know, to his credit, is not ter- terribly handled. This just doesn't feel as necessary. And, they, mm-hmm. you know, they're building a relationship between them where he cares and uh, – that Yeah, it feels like a studio choice. Yes. It's a betrayal when – when Dr. Jones has been brainwashed and it's Short Round who saves him. So Short Round is not helpless either. He's, he's probably of all of the sidekicks, one of the most facile in terms of he can fight and he can help Indiana Jones out. There, there is something kind of bumbling about, about Sala and Marcus Brody, especially Sala who, who mm-hmm. looks down at the well of souls and says, asps, very dangerous. You go first. You go first. Yeah. Yeah. So Short Round. My short run will probably go down there with him. So right. he's, he's a great, I think he's a great sidekick. Yeah. And he, as a, it does feel a little bit like, Hey, put a kid in the movie, but exactly. Uh, but he was very good. Yes. And also, uh, I love that actor from the Goonies as well. Of course. Yeah. He's in, he's in probably two of the defining films of the, of the mid eighties. Yeah. Uh, which was the defining years for this fella. There, yeah, same uh, here. All right. So, uh, what else were we looking at on this one? The MacGuffin, the Sankara stones. Eh. Need to be returned to the village with the children. It'll bring, uh, food back and water. So since these stones are gone and the children have disappeared, they've been in famine, famine and drought. Yes. I understand the implications, but if the first movie has the Ark of the Covenant, a giant gilded, uh, trunk holding the the ten commandments and it's beautiful yeah. and golden and then in the second movie you give me three rocks with white lines drawn on them Wait, doesn't the ark of the covenant shouldn't it have abraham's foreskin in it cuz that's really where circumcision comes from it would have been um is there an alternate version or is there a sketch where they open up the the ark and they go oh this is the tip of a penis yeah well Guys. i think that it was didn't they there was that one scene that was cut when uh as tote's face is melting off it shoots up at him like somebody flinging a rubber band 
I just, he smacks him in the face. Let's see the moment and go, oh, Hitler's going to be really mad about this. I think he thought it was going to be powerful. <laughs> this is just it's a, just nothing but foreskin. Yeah, it looks like an old piece of chewing gum. And that's all it's mm. in here. Was, I I feel like it's heavy because of the metal they used to make it. But inside it's just. Yeah, not e- it's not yeah. even the sand. Oh, spoiler alert. Why is it all sand now? Yeah, at first I was going to be like, hey, uh, which one of you dropped your Band-Aid in here? Then I realized <laughs> we just pulled the top off. So this is a real, this is modern hour. I was sorry, Dr. Jones. Speak, speaking of band-aids, yeah. uh, my face appears to be melting. Oh my goodness. This is terrible. Well, let me, oh, Do, my head. Does anyone have explode. one? No, two, no, three, no, four, no, five band-aids. <laughs> no, six, no, <laughs> seven. <laughs> I wish I could help you, but I got lightning going through my whole body. I think I'm going to Oh goodness. Well, oh. look at him. His head explodes. Oh, this is terrible. I guess <laughs> we should have probably kept it closed. Yeah, there are things we're not supposed to know. At least we got it on tape. Oh, no, the camera's gone. It's all over. Oh, dear. This is, te- well, I'm going to die now. So goodbye. <laughs> I think it's fair to say the Temple of Doom is not going to win. No, it's not. Um, but it is, a, it is a hell of a good movie. It is. And now we get to what I think is actually a legitimate contender. 1989's yeah. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. This is probably the one I've seen the most out of all of them. Okay. Uh, I loved this movie. And I think the reason I saw it the most was because my mom still is uh, madly in love with Sean Connery. Of course. Uh, and this is – this this story features – would you call him the sidekick in this? I know Sala shows back up toward the end. Marcus Brody is also in this one. This one kind of uh, – the, whereas Temple of Doom felt like an outlier, this one is more in line with Raiders. It brings back characters from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they're, they're going after the Holy Grail. Literally, they're, mm-hmm. the Holy Grail of this film is the Holy Grail. So in terms of MacGuffins, yeah. it may actually be bigger than, than the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, the whole, yeah, it's the, gr- the, Holy the granddaddy of all MacGuffins. Yeah. It is, when people talk about finding their Holy Grail, uh, this is literally searching for the Holy Grail. Yeah, it's, it's big. So um, I, I would definitely call him a sidekick, but we should get to – this is the only time in the films that Indiana Jones is played by two actors because it starts with yes, young Indiana Jones. Yes, a great opening scene. Yeah. Now, River Phoenix is young Indiana Jones. First of all, River Phoenix is an actor who died way too young, another mm-hmm. uh, a sad victim of substance abuse in uh, in the early to mid-90s. And, right. uh, you know, among, uh, for a guy who, who passed away way too young, he has a decent body of work as an actor. And this is a film that, that I think maybe goes under the radar for some people because he's not the star of it. He's just in the beginning, but he figures out how to channel Harrison Ford and still make it his own character. So he's, he's not necessarily playing Indiana Jones. He's playing Harrison Ford. He's got his mannerisms. There's something to mm-hmm. his voice that feels very it's that sort of it's it's that it's and it's when he says they belong in a museum it's that the way he says belong where it's sort of hidden in the back of his mouth yeah and i'd say that whole chase at the beginning is one of the iconic action sequences in that film oh yeah well the nice thing about that uh, that opening sequence is it 
answers questions that you didn't know you had. Yes. From the first movies. Where did Harris, where did Indiana Jones get his scar? Where did he get his fear of snakes? Where did he get his hat? Where did he get his bullwhip? Every single little detail about what is by this point, uh, an iconic character on the level of, you know, Darth Vader and Dracula or even more so. Yes. Um, this is this is where you get all those questions answered. And it even tells you why he is part adventurer and part academic. Because of his because father. Because of his father. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you get the idea that that relationship is strained, uh, which, of course, it plays out beautifully later on. But, I mean, it's that that is such a great piece of casting and such a great performance. That whole sequence is fantastic. And I think and it gets over. And sidekick in that sequence is great. Oh, yeah. Because, the, the chubby kid. Yeah. Because he looks like an old time drawing of a Boy Scout. Yes. Doesn't he? His he face does. looks like, his face looks like a 1950s drawing out of uh, a boy's, li- a, a Boy Scout manual. Yeah. He looks, he looks like a Norman Rockwell painting mm-hmm. come to life. So opening sequence, amazing. Yes. Like, I didn't realize how many different things in these movies really went, uh, really paralleled one another, that they all have these specific elements. A great opening scene that is disconnected from the rest of the movie, uh, the, uh, a, a different, uh, heroine, a different sidekick, and the, you know, they, they all, all these different slots get filled really well. Absolutely. Absolutely. The whole castle sequence in the film, it's got so many great action sequences like that escape from the castle. Um, the, figuring out the puzzle that gets him to the grail using the diary. There are almost two MacGuffins in the film. The first half, it's getting the diary and his father is a MacGuffin. Right. And then it becomes, right. oh, the grail is real. And they have to get the, they have to get the grail diary from the castle through the use of disguises, which is always one of my favorite things in movies. Oh yeah, the Scottish uh, tapestry appraiser. <laughs> what a lunacy. <laughs> um, yes, and then when they realize that it is a real thing, then Indy really delves into the puzzle of the book. Yes, and the- this is the most globetrotting I think in any of the films for in terms of mm-hmm. all the different places that he goes. But it also harkens back to the first one with the going out to the middle of the desert. This is true. Like Nazis and Indiana Jones in the middle of a desert. That is going back to Raiders. Yes. I'm also a huge fan of a, a like a very linear quest. Okay. That the end of this movie has with the uh the path of God. The, uh, the, the kneeling, the only the penitent man shall pass, all of those different, like, you've got to go through these steps. It's almost like you've got a treasure map and there's a treasure at the end, but you've got these, it's like a video game. There's these levels. You got to get through the five levels first or whatever. Yes. Absolutely. Um, um and, uh, yeah, continue. I'm sorry. Let's talk ladies. Hey, ladies. Ding, 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 ding. Ilsa Schneider. Yes, as played uh, by Allison Duty. Her name means poop. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, strong character. Mm-hmm. Disqualified because she turns out to be the villain. I mean, she comes back around at the end. She's but a villain who. She's a villain. She's not she, the villain. She's aligned herself incorrectly, and right. her need to have the grail is what ultimately does her in. And it's what leads her down the path of. Like, you know, I may not be a Nazi philosophically, but I'm with them mm-hmm. 
Right. You know, don't judge me by the company I keep is essentially also, her defense. The only one of the three women who gets killed. This is true. Well, she, she doesn't, I, she dies because she can't let go. Right. She's, she's too seduced by the grail. So she, she allows herself to die or, or cannot overcome what kills her. It's not like she is murdered. Right. So she does um, herself in. So she's not going to win the, uh, the, the heroin prize. No, 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 no. I don't, I mean, I mean, who is the best heroine? Not like you win. Here is some heroin. <laughs> no, that'll be later on. When we do best, uh, heroin. Black tar. Right. Um, now sidekicks. So if, we're, uh, if we're counting three of them. Yes. We have three. We have a returning Marcus Brody and Solo who both have expanded roles in this film. Mm hmm. And, uh, but the real sidekick is his father. Yes. Dr. Henry Jones Sr. Who is wonderfully played by Sean Connery and who has, you know, who has some tricks up his sleeve. Yes. May my armies be the rocks and the birds and the trees, or rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's everything Indiana Jones is not intellectual. You know, he doesn't mm -hmm. like all the action, but what turns him on is the intellectual pursuit of the grail and figuring out yes. the puzzles of it. So he's kept this meticulous grail diary that, that while it's been scoffed at by, by Indiana, it turns out to be exactly the key to discuss you know he actually winds up well yes he's some of the mysteries of the book but of of the sidekicks he's the most integral because yeah. like you know temple of doom could have happened without short round arguably true um raiders could have happened without so i mean there there are plot points that you know change things around the entire movie is predicated on that book that his father kept and the knowledge that is in his father's brain. Yes. This is true. And the dynamic between the two of them is mm -hmm. hilarious because wonderful. He's all the one thing that Indiana Jones has not had or has not been able to, to find and gain possession of over all of his adventures is the approval of his father. Right. So that's what he really wants. <laughs> Is to impress his dad and be a big deal and, and he just can't seem to do it no matter how fantastic the action sequence after the motorcycle chase and the tanks and, and everything. He, he still can't impress his dad, but ultimately his discovery of the grail is to save his life. The, br the brilliant right. ticking clock of the last portion of the film is that his father has been shot. So the only way to save him is to bring back the grail. Uh, this, I feel like, it's so tough with these movies. Yes. Because I feel like the first movie created such a amazing, wonderful character, uh, and gave us, you know, half of the pieces of the puzzle. Sure. And the third movie gave us the rest of the pieces of the puzzle. Sure. But it would not be against precedent for us to pick a sequel. Obviously, we picked Empire Strikes That's true. Back as the best Star Wars film, and your sure. favorite was Return of the Jedi, which was the third. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Right. I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm only. I'm. Your music. I'm pointing out that how evenly matched these two movies are. Sure. Well, let's talk about villains then. So we've got. All right, we got to get through this quick. We're at an hour. Buddy. Yes, we have uh, Michael uh, Michael Burns' portrayal of Colonel Vogel. Right. The Nazi. Then Walter Donovan, who turns out to be a turncoat and had betrayed. Right. Of course. 
Uh, because father, he didn't take my advice. <laughs> Julian Glover. Yeah. Played, great villain. Yes. Fantastic. And film. great comeuppance for a villain. Uh, aging and dying in 10 seconds. Yeah. He might win the villain category. Mm hmm. I think you, I think you are right in yeah. that. Um, so have you been writing these down and keeping track of, are we actually scoring like, is there a number system involved? I haven't. I haven't been keeping number at all. I'm just saying, like, right. so far, so nothing in in uh, Temple of Doom, maybe Sidekick, could could come close to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Here we have um, a superior Sidekick mm-hmm. and a better superior MacGuffin. villain. Superior villain. So that's three. The things. ultimate MacGuffin. The ultimate MacGuffin. So those three things: MacGuffin, Sidekick, and villain. Raiders of the Lost arc wins i think for iconic action scenes it wins uh, the heroine wins for heroin the introduction of indiana jones the to the world of indiana jones to the world uh the nomination for best picture yeah i mean the nomination uh, yeah the nomination for best picture as well if you adjust them uh, by almost any measure whether it's by by rotten tomato score or mm-hmm. by adjusted box office gross if you look at all of them and, and they were all, all things were equal. Raiders of the Lost Ark is the 20th highest grossing film of all time in North America. And let me ask you this. Yes. Is Raiders of the Lost Ark on your top 10 list? It is always in the top four. People of the world. <laughs> You've got a lot of Indiana Jones movies you can choose from. You've, you've got your, your Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom and a heart getting pulled out of a chest and still beating. You've got Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade where Sean Connery and River Phoenix join forces with Harrison Ford to answer the questions that you've had about this iconic character. But this iconic character of Indiana Jones. Would not exist without one movie that has always been on Hal Lublin's top four. Not his top ten list, his top four. And you know what? It's been on my top four also. The one I don't even have. I don't even have that list. But you know what's on it? Raiders of the Lost Ark. The greatest of the Indiana Jones franchise. Asked... And answered. Did I do that right, Hal? You nailed it. Thanks for letting me do that. Yeah. And hey, thanks to Christian for coming up with that suggestion. But we have so many other topics left to answer. And who knows? The next one could come from you who's listening right now and hasn't even suggested it yet. So I'm going to tell you how you suggested it to us. You go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash we got this podcast or you email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at we got this tweets or um, before I say the thing about the maximum fun subreddit. I apologize, Hal. I didn't mean to just steal that from you. No. I know that's it was fantastic. I know that's your thing. No. Okay. I felt a little I now I'm feeling a little bad about it. Oh my god, what? I know, but I just I like it. I really wanted to do one. Or reach out to us on Reddit in the Maximum Fund subreddit. There's probably a flame war happening right now.
Thank you so much to producer Ken Plume, researcher Uri Kel- <laughs> You threw me oh, off. Oh, I've thrown you off. Oh, my God. The podcast is done. Thank you so much to producer Ken Plume, graphic designer Uri Kelman, researcher Kate McManus, and QA engineer Jen Alba. Thank you, as always, to our musicians, Mike Furman and Jonathan Dinerstein, for our award-winning theme song and score, respectively. And, of course, thanks to you, our listeners. We couldn't have done it without you. You are our – no, we are your sidekicks, and we hope we can be as good a sidekick to you as Indiana Jones's father, Short Round, and Sala, and Marcus Brody were to Indiana Jones. You are our Indy. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. And for Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.